Welcome to week one of the One Life Movement. How many people are excited to be in church today? I would get it if you were the 9.30 crowd and you were just waking up, but you're the 11 o'clock crowd. You've been up for a while. How many people are excited to be in church today? Man, I know you're not gonna let me down. Hey, if you're online today, welcome. I'm so glad that you are with us. I know we're kind of finishing up fall break around here. So you're maybe at the beach or in your cabin, whatever the case may be. We want you to know that we love you. We're grateful you're along for the ride. So how about a church? Would you welcome your church family that's online right now? Yeah, we're glad you're here. Um, do me a favor, if you haven't already, and download the app. Everything Trinity Church is right there at your fingertips. Ways to get connected, groups, all of that. Um, but I'm going to dive right into the One Life Movement. When you walked in the room, you were handed this book. Um, if you have the book, wave it at me, wave it at me, wave it at me. Everybody in the room, everybody in the room online, I know you're waving your PDF. I know I'm just having a feeling that you're doing something to me there. Hey, I'm going to try to lead you through this for the first 10 minutes of this um, sermon this morning, because where we're going is really important. And I know like all good church people, you've already read all the way through it, right? You haven't procrastinated at all. So I need you just to kind of circle back, whatever you think is going on in here, let me lead you through it right now. So take it out, open it up, and it's a table of contents. If you're somebody like me that just needs to know where we're going, um, it's right there. Flip the page, and there is a letter from me giving you a lot of vision around where we're going. Gentlemen, this is a great read when you're in the bathroom in the next couple of days. Like, I'm just letting you know um, this is the time <laughs> to take advantage of this. It gives you vision where we're going, what we're doing. What is the One Life Movement all about? And here's the question that I want you wrestling with, everybody, everybody wrestling with these next several weeks and really the next couple of years together. And here's the question, is what is the one thing in my life that drives everything in my life? What is the one thing that drives everything? And we're gonna try to answer that together these next several these next several weeks. So there's the letter from me kind of giving you some vision, talking about the Shema prayer. I'm gonna dive into that in just a few moments. But if you turn the page, there is this um, really timeline. The front, the bottom kind of tells you the history of the church, the history of Trinity in particular. And I need you to know one thing, that what we're doing right now, it isn't anything new. It's just our turn. That God's been up to something in the world since he founded the church way back in Matthew chapter 15, and then Peter started it. Like all of those things like that, God's been doing something really powerful through the local church. And I'm looking at all of you and online and saying, now it's our, it's our turn. If you look on the front page, it says 1963, a group of people founded Trinity Church. Did you know that when the group of, in 1963, the group of 14 people got together, and they said, we're gonna go plant a church in East Mesa, <laughs> like right where we are, like that was, that's not East Mesa to us now, but back then it was like cabbage fields and dirt roads and everybody thought, why would you ever go plant a new church out there where nobody is? Well, those people had a vision. They knew that Mesa was growing. And I, I'm just blown away by this, that there are people um, over 60 years ago that they took a second mortgage out on their home they sacrificed, they gave blood, sweat, and tears weekend after weekend after weekend so you and I could have a seat. 
I hope you never miss that. That every time you pull onto our campus, there are, there are people generations ago that believed that a church needed to be here. And we're all today standing on their shoulders because of their sacrifice and because of their love for you. Amen. I hope you understand that. And I just look at you now and say, hey, now it's our turn. Like that's great and we celebrate that, but now it's our turn. There will be people in heaven because of what we're about to do these next couple of years. And I'm really excited about that. So his story, now it's, now it's our turn. 2017, Amanda and I, we moved here from Indianapolis and now 2021 and beyond, we are embarking together on the one life journey. If you flip the page, people ask me all the time, Hey, Jared, and pastors from around the country, whatever the case is, hey, how's it going at Trinity? And honestly, like, I'm not ashamed to say this. I look at them and I say, hey, honestly, things are going really great. Really great. Yes, giving is, is really strong and through the roof and all those types of things. But let me just tell you, since 2018, what God has done here, don't let these numbers just kind of like pass you by. But 600 people have said yes to Jesus in a weekend service in the last four years. Isn't that amazing, everybody? I mean, I know if you've been around here, we're kind of used to that because we've been growing so fast the last few years, but that is remarkable. 150 people, more than that, have said yes or have been water baptized. And the reason why we added plus, plus signs to this, because when these went to print back in September, um, we've already seen now an additional 20 people make a decision to follow Jesus. Um, we have a handful of people that were baptized after print, and we have another handful of people that are going to be baptized next week. And that's why we're just going to keep on adding to this number. So just go with me. These aren't accurate, but it's, it's, it, we're, we're increasing every single week. We've sent 90 people on a mission trip. We've launched the Trinity Church online campus, the Leadership Academy, the Residency Academy, all of those things. And let me tell you, and maybe you're in the room and you're like, oh, why we talk about numbers all the time? All we care about are numbers. Yup. Wanna know why? Because my little girl is one of those 150 people who declared publicly her faith in Jesus. It matters a whole lot to me. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story is why this church exists because every story matters to God for his glory. If you're not gonna amen me 11 o'clock service, I'm going to amen myself. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God and it's why this church exists. Amen. Matters. So we could just sit back and say, amen. Amen, great, good job, like woo, we're doing great. Uh, but we're on the approach of, okay, God, what's next? You're blessing us, we get that. We sense something unique is happening here, but what do you have for us now? And this is where the religious people kind of get anxious. Let's just put it that way, and we'll talk about this in just a moment. But we believe as a leadership team, as elders, staff, leaders of our church, we are asking God that if you've done this, what else do you have for us that in the next five years, the next season of our church, we're believing and asking God, God, can we be a part of seeing 5,000 people say yes to you? We, we, we want to be a part of that. We want to see 2,500 people go through the waters of baptism and declare publicly that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. And we want to send 1,000 people on a mission trip. Now, I, I, we don't want to send 100 people 10 times. <laughs> we want to send 1,000 individual people around the world for great for great mission work. And we're asking God, God, can we be a part? Can we be a part of that? And if you flip the page, let, let me tell you why this plays a role and why, what I'm so excited about. 
And this is, these are our goals for this. If we're gonna accomplish that, we're gonna need to, to do something about it. So our first and primary goal is that everyone, 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 you online, everyone in the room, and honestly, we don't even know how many people that actually is. We know how many people are in the room and we know how many views and unique visitors and all that stuff online, but our guess is what, you know, really smart people who tell you to figure out formulas, they think that on average, every weekend, we are influencing, impacting 12 to 1500 people would call Trinity Church, Trinity Church, that'd be their home. Which means in the last four years, we've increased almost a thousand people in four years. That's unbelievable. We just take a moment and just kind of praise God, God for what he's doing here. Now, this may shock you, it may not shock you, but not everyone comes to church every single weekend. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like a workout, right? Two on, one off, like two on, one off. And so this is why this series is so important. Well, I want all of us together to be here faithfully. I'm asking you to be here, to go on this journey, this journey together, because I want 100% of us all of us together to declare that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that all of us would take spiritual steps in declaring that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. And that's gonna look different for all of us and I'm gonna lead you through that. But the second goal, the secondary goal is that we together, we're asking God for this, for $3.5 million over and above what we normally give to three gospel-centered initiatives, which I'm gonna talk about, so we can accomplish 5,000 people trusting Jesus, to baptize 2,500, and to send 1,000 people on, on a mission strip. So primary goal, all of us would declare the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Secondary goal is that we would be able to fund these three gospel-centered initiatives to go reach more people for Jesus. Amen. So flip the page. Let me tell you what these gospel-centered initiatives are all about. The first one, and if you've been around here for a while, you know this is happening, but the first one is next September, September of 2022. And I know I have some core team members in the room. They're gonna be excited about this. We are launching Trinity Church East Mesa. I just, I don't think you guys are with me today. 10 months from now, we're launching Trinity Church East Mesa. It's a big deal. All the information of why we're going there. This church was started over 60 years ago on the outskirts of town. We're gonna to go do the same thing and launch Trinity Church East Mesa in the fastest growing part of our city and really the fastest growing part of Maricopa County. In order to reach 5,000 people, we've gotta to go to where the people are. If you're into the, the pictures, it shows you a picture of East Mesa, what the auditorium will look like inside Gateway Polytech Academy, which is our official partner, and also what the kids' space will look like, and we have a lot more of that. In order to accomplish this objective, it's a $600,000 um, requirement to build it out and then to fund it for the first 12 months um, for staffing, for rent, for all, all, of, those, all of those things. $600,000 is initiative number one. We wanna be one church in multiple locations, reaching people who are far, far from Jesus. The second initiative, which I think will excite most of you because this is your church, but isn't it time, everybody, that we updated and remodeled this campus to fit 2021 and 22? Isn't it time for that? Do you agree with that? I, when you drive by our campus, you don't know this is a church unless you know it's a church. People ask me all the time, where do you pastor? Oh, Trinity Church, Gilbert and University. The one on the corner? No, the one just south. Oh, the school? 
No, it's a church. So we're gonna solve that problem. And you can see some of the pictures, our architect and our general contractors coming on where our numbers are right on budget. We're really excited about that. In order to do this is $2.5 million, but more than just updating and making things pretty and opening our campus to our community, um, before COVID and actually right now, we're running out of space in our preschool environments. All of you guys keep on having babies and children and inviting people to have the same, which that's one way to grow a church and we love it. Um, but we are running out of space. We need to update and remodel, become purposeful in our environments to reach more people for Jesus. And so we're gonna do that um, through this project. And you can see some pictures of what this is gonna look like, our outdoor cafe, creating space for moms and dads and, and all of you to enjoy. Um, and also an entrance into our kids' environments, creating um, security all over this place. Now, thank God we haven't lost a kid yet, but we need to fix some of the problems that, that we see. So all of this is gonna help us, help us do this, which will give us a 10 to 15 year run to be able to do effective ministry and reach, I believe here at this location, thousands and thousands of people with the good news, with the good news of Jesus. If you flip the page, we're a tithing church. So we're not just praying and asking God for a miracle for us, but we're going to go be a miracle for other people. So we have ministry partners all around the world in Africa in um, India and in Nepal. We're asking God, we need a miracle here, but really we can go be a miracle and plant a camp and plant churches and see our influence expand like never before. And so every dollar that comes in, 10% of this to the One Life Movement will go out our doors to fund these strategic initiatives around the world. Which by the way, if you're brand new, you wanna know how we handle our finances around here? Uh, we live on the 10-10-80 principle. In fact, I won't pastor a church that doesn't live by this. Why? Uh, because we give our first 10% away. Every dollar that comes into this place is get going out our door. 10% of that goes out our doors. Uh, to our global partners, our local partners, we don't keep everything for ourselves. Then we save 10% to fix air conditioning, to save for the future, strategic initiatives. We can be able to move and when God calls us to do unique things, we're able to do that. And then we force ourselves to live on 80% of everything that comes in. Which by the way, you need to do that personally. The first 10% goes to God, it honors him. The second 10%, when you save that, it actually helps you build wealth. And the last 80%, it teaches you contentment. It's God's design, how it works. And that's actually one of the reasons why I believe God is blessing us so much at this church, not just financially, but in almost every area here because we're honoring him first with our finances. So we're gonna tithing church and we're gonna go be a blessing and minister to other people around the world. If you flip the page, this is called the journey of generosity. And over the next several weeks, I want you engaging with this. I want you to read it over and over again. Because some of you, hundreds of you over the next several weeks will, will finally trust God with your finances. D did you know that there's people who come to this church online in the room and, and they don't give anything? I mean, can you believe that? They just, they just have never trusted God with their finances. Others of you, you you've been, you've been um, tithing since Sunday school. But how many of you know, like we're, we're not finished, that God has a plan and a journey for each and every one of us. And so I want you asking the questions here. Am I an initial giver? Am I just a, a tipper? <laughs> do I give when it's convenient or when I have enough? Or, or no, do you really trust God? Or now are you living your life in such a way where you're making a eternal difference, where you realize this isn't about me, this is about other people. I want you reading the journey of generosity. If you flip the page, you're not even really ready to look at this, but I'm just gonna tell you what it is. 
This is the commitment card. It's actually stuffed inside um, this folder as well. And in four weeks, together, we're going to declare as one church what generosity looks like together. On October 31st, Halloween day, we're going to declare what generosity looks like for the One Life movement. And so I was, here's what I want you to do. I dropped mine. I want you to take this card and I want you to put it. And if you need more of them, take more of them. I want you to put it in certain places where you, if you're single, take it, put it in a place where every day you can look at it and you can pray over it. If you're married, put it in a place where both of you, your husband and wife can look at it and pray over it. And then together, I want you just to ask God, God, what do you want our role to be? You're really not ready to engage. I'm gonna lead you through this the next several weeks. But just begin to pray, God, what do you want me to do with this? What's gonna be my contribution to see these initiatives become a reality? And on October 31st, we'll declare publicly what our generosity as a church, as a church looks like. So I'm gonna lead you to that moment these next several weeks. If you turn the page over, we're almost to the sermon today, I promise. Now we're talking about the discipleship guide and your study tools. And by the way, this is your invitation to join a group the next four weeks. Every group that we have, every study group, is going to be discussing the sermon curriculum, all the study guides, all the questions are in this. Now, if you're one of those people that are like, I ain't getting in a group, here, here's what I want you to do. I need you to grab two or three other people who complain just like you and just start a group. <laughs> I just get in a group together and complain and be angry about life and just do this Together, I promise you, your life will be better. I can't believe I said that. Um, your life will be better. Um, your life, I did not say that in the first service. It must have been a Holy Spirit moment here. Um, your life will be better because, because of it. So Trinity Church, man, sometimes. And if you turn the page, now we're here to the sermon, but flip the page one more time. And this is where it examines at the top. This is gonna be your study guide for your group. And also right here, we have a reading plan. We have a quiet time built into this for you for the next four weeks. And I'm gonna ask you as your pastor, you're gonna get out of this what you put into it. But would you do this with me? Like every morning, open up your Bible and read the readings and then go to the back of this study guide and it actually has a prayer journal, a bunch of pages. And just write, as God speaks to you, would you say yes? Would you hold nothing back? And would you invite him, right? I mean, honestly, invite him to speak to you as we go on this journey um, together. All right, now back to your sermon notes. Week one, one name, a lot of scripture. We're gonna get there in just a moment. But one of the things I'm really excited about over the next several weeks is you're gonna hear from people in our church who have a one life story. Some of these people have been around Trinity for a really long time. Others, they're brand new around here, um, but they're so powerful. I want you to hear their stories. And so today I'm gonna invite you to turn your attention to the screens as we hear from Dan and Sharon Clark. Check this out. My name is Dan and my wife, Sharon Clark. We've been at Trinity for 38 years. Peg Marquardt came down, they lived down the street from the house we were renting. We didn't know that, but they came down and she uh, invited us to church. And so we showed up at church the next Sunday and we've been here ever since. It's been an adventure. There were times when we stayed here only because it was our church family and we had made a commitment to be here. 
It's like being married. You make a commitment and sometimes things are bad and sometimes they're good. We learned that, that as we became involved in different things, uh, we became part of the church and they're our family. And you don't give up your family, so why give up your church? There was a really great group of people here then. We're getting back to that now. We have not been that way in this church for quite a long time. But now, I see amazing things every Sunday, and it just, it just makes my heart happy. When you look at what God did with the first church, and what God has done over the years in exciting churches, and that's what I've always wanted to be part of. You know, people look at Trinity Church, and we are a a dynamic, exciting place to be. You know, Dan didn't, he, he, he really had been bulking at get, being on the elder board for a long, long time. And partly because he was on a board in, in a church in Oregon that really went really bad. And he just was not willing to put himself in that situation again. I finally just told him that 30 years was long enough to carry that around. That <laughs> I've been on the board now for almost six years. We have a group of men that are leaders and they, they love God and they've, they've chosen to do for this church what this church needs to do. As we've been thinking about and praying about the, the One Life movement, Working in the office, I've been aware of this for quite some time, and Dan on the elder board too. We made a decision to cash in one of my 401ks that I had from when I worked previously. God has taken care of us uh, throughout our lives. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> when we think of how we started, and where we started as a couple, and how God has taken care of us, and he's supplied for us. Uh, now we're retired. We also know that God is still taking care of us. Absolutely. He's given us much more than we had ever hoped for. And and for us to be part of this, and and, and to just be, be able to do it, we feel like God's blessed us. It isn't that we have to do it. We get to do it. I feel blessed to even be here and be able to be part of this. Because a couple of years ago, I had a major stroke. I should not have recovered from that stroke. I just feel so excited to be able to be a part of this because I know I would have missed it. I could have easily missed it. But when I came through that stroke and I came out and realized that I was probably going to be at least okay, I knew, I thought, you know, God's not done with me yet. He has something for me to do and I need to get after it and find out what it is. Trinity has become a church that we have both prayed for and wanted to be involved in all of my life and all of Sharon's life. It's just, it's, it's amazing what God is doing in this church right now. Can we celebrate um, all that God's doing and that, their story? I just love that. Ken and Sharon, thank you for sharing it.
And I know this, all of us have a one life story. And over the next um, month, and really over the next several years, we're gonna hear a lot of those journeys here at Trinity Church. All right, get your sermon notes out. Let's dive in with a few minutes that we have left. And I know you're asking the question, Jared, where'd you get all this one life stuff from? Um, well, the word one, the most famous place in all of your Bible is Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four and six. This is called the Shema prayer, the Shema prayer. And here, here, here's what it means. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here, the Shema, that's what the first word of in Hebrew is here. Now it's not, it's not how we understand it in the English language. Because you just think, oh, it's, it's listening. No, no, no. It's like when your daddy used to tell you, boy, listen up. Like he's not saying just to listen. He's telling you, listen and obey to what I'm about to tell you. He just has that, that language. That's exactly what Shema means. Hear and heed that the Lord our God, Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now this is the word echad. Everybody say echad with me, echad. If you're saying it right, you're gonna get the person in front of you wet, echad. It has this guttural kind of out of your voice language. Here's, here's what this means. Cause in the us Westerners, we think, oh, one. Like God's first, one, two, three, four, five. He's above my family, he's above my finances, one, two, three, four, five. And that's, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is he's not the number one on your list. Like he is the paper in which you write your list on. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is above it, behind it, below it, beneath it, through it, for it. It is all about him. In Deuteronomy, here's what, here's what Moses is saying. Deuteronomy means second law. It doesn't mean that it's law number two. It just means he's repeating the first law. Exodus chapter 20, the 10 commandments comes down. He passes it off. But now Moses is coming to the end of his life. Joshua is about to lead the people into the promised land. And Moses says, hey, hey, before you go eat out of refrigerators that you didn't stock, and before you go live in homes that you didn't build, like you need to remember the law. Hey parents, you know, you know what this is like? Let's just picture you're dropping your kids off at summer camp here at the church. And while you're packing them at home, you're like, hey, don't forget to change your underwear. Don't forget to brush your teeth. Don't forget to listen to your youth pastors and your counselors and you give them the law. But then as soon as you pull on this parking lot on this property, you look at them and you say, Ahem. that's Deuteronomy. That's what's, that's what's happening. Hey, don't forget, you're about to go into a place and think God's about to bless you. And all. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is above it all, through it all, in it all. It's all about him. Don't you forget it. Trinity Church, hear, O Trinity, the Lord our God, the Lord is above it all, through it all for it all. It is all about him. And when you understand that, Moses then says, because here's what's going to happen. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Everything about you will be 
all in, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So here's the question. Let me go back to the main question for the day. Is God the one thing, like he is the piece of paper on which you write your list, is he the one thing that drives everything in your life? Have you ever had a moment with the Shema prayer? Can you declare, no, he is above it all, for it all, through it all. It is all about him. Let's go to Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four, I'm gonna give you a historical count real quick of two guys who had an encounter with the one name, with God, the one, and it changed everything about them. Acts chapter four, let's pick it up, verse one. And as they, talking about Peter and John, the disciples, they're with Jesus, all of that, while they were speaking to the people. Now, you just need to know in the New Testament that every time a group of people gathered together, like Peter was the first person to say, oh, 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 I'll preach. And he had one sermon that he just put on repeat over and over and over again, which by the way, as a pastor, kind of makes me feel really good, right? As they were speaking, Peter and John, Peter said, I'll preach, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'm really good. The priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees, the religious people, they were greatly annoyed. Now, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, which is why they were sad, you see. <laughs> I know that is a terrible pastor joke, but you'll never forget it as long as you live. Let me tell you, that's why they were sad. They were annoyed. They didn't believe what John and Peter were talking about, which, which by the way, which by the way, <laughs> every single time the gospel is preached, lives are changed. And every time lives are changed, it gets really messy. It's not neat and it's not tidy. Which by the way, religious people don't like it. Religious people like it neat and tidy. And God, you have to fit in this box. If you can fit in this box, then I'm okay with it. You wanna know something that's gonna weed out a lot of religious people? The One Life Movement. The One Life Movement's not neat, it's not tidy. It's gonna require sacrifice. It's going to require that we give up our seats. It's going to require that we go do something else, that things begin to change and to shift. The One Life Movement is going to weed out some of the religious people. Lives are being changed. The gospel's going forward. And the religious people who saw Jesus, who could smell God in the flesh, like he could smell his breath, they missed them because they didn't fit into their box. They were annoyed. It says, and they arrested Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the numbers of the men came to about 5,000. We're just counting the men. Nowadays, it'd be about 15,000. We're going to count women, and we're going to count children. Let's just say after two services, that first church grew to like 15,000 people. If you hate big church, you would have hated the early church. People were taking parking spots. The line to get in to check in your kids was forever long. You'd walk into the worship room and somebody new was sitting in your seat. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how this church survived. It's a miracle. How did they survive? 
5,000 people, amazing. And on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they put them right in the middle. This is how the Sadducees would trial people and they would get a big circle around them and they'd begin to hurl insults and questions. So Peter and John are in the middle of all of this. And they said, by what power or by what name did you do this? And I know you're asking, what is this? Well, let's go to Acts chapter three and let's discover what this is. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. I mean, logically, that just makes a lot of good sense, doesn't it? People are going to church. They're going to pray. Let's put this brother right to the side. And probably those people who fear God, love God, they'll probably have some sympathy, some compassion on them. Let's allow, like, he'll probably get some money. He'll probably be able to make ends meet. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now, I'm guilty of this. In fact, this week, my wife and I, we were back on the East Coast. She was running a marathon and we were downtown getting ready. And there's a lot of homeless people there. And I looked at my wife and I said, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Just go straight. My wife has the biggest heart. She's like, I can't. I want to Here, it's just dollar bill, dollar bill, dollar bill. And I'm like, look straight ahead. Like, don't bother with it. And this is what happens, right? Peter looked straight at him. Like, and you know, when you make eye contact, like, uh-oh. They got me. They got me. Uh, he's, and as did John, that's not just Peter, but as did John, then Peter said, hey, hey, look at us. And so you, you have to think. This guy who goes to the gate every single day, he's like, oh, this is about to be good for me. I need money. Peter and John are making eye contact with me. They're not like Pastor Jared. They're like, they actually love Jesus. Like they're making eye contact with me. Like they have sympathy on me. This is going to be really, really good. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something in return. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. I mean, can't you just feel like the helium come out of the balloon? Like, oh, that's all I want. I don't want anything else. Like I'm here for money. I'm here for like, get that next meal. That's what I, that's what I need. And I just think that a lot of us, we come to church and we pray and we pray prayers and our prayers are not what we need. We're praying for something, but God has something totally different to give us. This man, he, want, he wanted money, but God was about to give him healing. Come on, track with me. Some of you in the room, you've been praying for a boyfriend or for a girlfriend, and that's not what you need. You need intimacy at a completely different level. Some of you have been praying, I just need one more zero in that bank account. I just need that next promotion. I need to climb the ladder. I just need this. That's what you've been praying for, but God's trying to teach you contentment. We've been coming to God and we've been praying the wrong prayers. 
This man comes, I need money, and God's about to give him something totally different, something way better. And I just think oftentimes we ask God for so little. Our prayers are so self-focused, so much about us that we miss actually what God wants to do in us and through us. So here's what Peter says, I don't, I don't have what you think you need. I have something so much better. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Amen. Anybody else appreciate the boldness of Peter here? Think, of, think about what's happening here. Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. You know what I would have done? Shame on Pastor Jared. I would have said, what's your name? Oh, your name is Tim needs a new pair of legs? Yeah, let me write it on this prayer request card and let me bring it to the temple and we will pray for you. Peter, with all of this boldness, with no fear says, man, you don't need that. Let me tell you what you need in the name of Jesus. Not my name, not John's name, not anybody else's name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Amen. Well, it's so good. The boldness of Peter. And then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Okay. Now pop quiz. When was this man healed? Was he healed when Peter said, walk? Well, no, N- nothing happened. That's what happened. The text leaves it there. He was healed when Peter reached out his right hand and he helped him up. Instantly, the man got to his feet and his ankles became strong. Don't don't let this pass you by. I think so many people are praying and asking God for a miracle. And you believe it can be done, just like Peter with all the faith, he mustered, walk. But your prayer request, your miracle is still on the sideline because you haven't done anything about it. You've prayed, you you were inspired in a church service and you came down here and you asked for prayer from one of our prayer partners and you said, I need reconciliation with my family or this relationship and, and you believe that God can do it but then you got in your car and you never sent the text message asking for forgiveness. You just left it. Some of you, you believe that your neighbor, your family member can walk through the doors of our church one day. Like you believe that, you have faith about it, but you've never invited them. Like your miracle is still waiting on the sideline. All of these things you're asking God for, but you're not doing anything about it. I wonder today, Trinity Church, how many miracles we're praying and asking God for, but they're still waiting for us to do something about it and the miracle is still on the sidelines. May that not be so for us. Here's what happened, Acts chapter three, we're gonna continue. He jumped to his feet, began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, I love this, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Every time a miracle happens, God is praised and people are filled with wonder and amazement. Acts chapter three, 
the religious people don't like this. This doesn't fit into their box. So Peter and John are standing in the middle of the religious people, the Sadducees being grilled over what's happened. And he picks it up and says, that's, what, that's why I'm here? I'm here because of that? Well, they're fine. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Oh, Peter. Like, come on. How brave is this guy? Like you, you crucified him, who God raised from the dead by him. This man that I'm here for, he's standing before you because of Jesus. Because this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders who knew better. Amen. You had the prophets, you had the Old Testament, and you missed it. That Jesus he has become the cornerstone. And here's the mic drop moment. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, which why we must be saved. Mic drop. Hey, Trinity Church. Hey, Trinity Church, let me tell you something. Peter and John didn't miss the point. It wasn't about their name. It wasn't about making their platform famous. So I have to preach a sermon again, Peter. <laughs> No, no, no. It was all about Jesus. Hey, 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 Trinity Church, launching a new campus, it's awesome. Updating and remodeling this campus finally, it's going to be awesome. Planning a bunch of churches around the world, it's going to be awesome. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. But this is not about Jared. This is not about Trinity Church. You want to know who it's about? It's about the only name under heaven by which people must be saved. It is all about him, the Shema, that he is the piece of paper in which we write our vision on, that he's above it, he's below it, he's behind it. It is all for him and to him for his glory, the name of Jesus Christ. It's all about him. So Peter and John, they get it. Salvation to no one else. I love this. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, other religious people, because every, every religious person, when you get bold and you start using the name of Jesus, I don't know what to do. It doesn't fit in my box. I'm gonna, uh. they perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished. May this be said about us. You know those people at Trinity Church? Like they're normal. They're not weird. Like they're just common people. But you know something? Those people over there at 2130 East University Drive on the corner of Signal Butte and Ray Road in East Mesa, you know those people? There ain't nothing special about them. But those people, who they have been with Jesus. They got a glimpse of the one true God. And when they got a glimpse of the one true God, it changed everything about their life. They weren't living life for themselves. They were living life for the one thing. And that drove everything. They're common, ordinary people, but they're people who have been with Jesus. May that be said about us. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with Peter and John? Something definitely happened here. Doesn't fit into our religious structure, our religious system. What shall we do with these guys? 
but that a notable sign has been performed through them. That's evident. And everybody understands that. We can't even deny it. But in order, hey, let's quiet this down. Let's not let it expand. The church is getting too big. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them. Let's threaten them. You you can't speak about Jesus anymore. That one name that you're so passionate about, Peter and John, uh, you can't talk about that anymore. So they called them and charged them not to speak or to teach all all the name of Jesus. (laughs) But Peter and John answered them saying, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you're gonna have to judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. What did they see in her? That Jesus Christ came to this earth with the perfect life. That three years ago, uh, Peter and John, we, we were called to be a part of this movement. Like we were nobody special, ordinary, uneducated, common men. But we saw firsthand miracles. We saw firsthand like lives being changed. We saw firsthand this Jesus get in the sand and love on a woman who was caught in adultery. We saw this man go to the marginalized places and he spent time with them and not the rich and the rulers. We saw this man love on kids like crazy. Like we can't tell you, like we see it and we've heard this. And that Jesus, you crucified him. He went to that cross, like he didn't do anything wrong. He went to that cross, but here's the good news. Three days later, he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he's been hanging with us for the last 40 days. And now he's in heaven at the right hand of the father. You want me, I can't talk about that. I have no other choice. He's changed my life. I'm going to heaven, Trinity Church. We have no other choice but to plant campuses. We have no other choice but to get uncomfortable. Why? Because people are dying and going to a real place called hell. And we will do whatever it takes short of sin to tell about the one name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father, that this is all about the one name. We have to share it. We cannot not share it. We have to, we have to. (laughs) And when they had further threatened them, like that's not going the way the Sadducees wanted, let's threaten them a little bit more. They finally let them win and finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened. Peter and John, they never missed the point. Here's where I land today that when we get a vision of the one true God, just like Peter and John changed their life, we must respond with our one and only life, regardless of the cost. Regardless of what that means for our comfort, for our bank account. Regardless, we're gonna respond. So here's what I want you to do. These next four weeks, I'm gonna ask you to do these things. I want you to pray, like pray like crazy. Like get on your knees. And some of you, you've never prayed before, but I'm gonna ask you to pray. Pray, God, what do you want my role to be in the One Life Movement? Pray, pray for me, pray for our leaders, our elders, our staff, pray, pray like crazy. And I'm gonna ask you number two, I want you to lean in, like go all in. Take this book, do your quiet time, get in a group, go all in. And I'm gonna ask you, I know this is asking a lot, but come every single week. 
And right after this series is over, it's at the movies and you don't wanna miss a week of that. So I'm asking you to attend like eight weeks in a row. I know, shocking. But, but come in, like lean in, go all in, ask God, God, what do you have for me? I'm here and I'm telling you, like when you go all in, he meets you there. And then I want you to wrestle with this question, everyone, everyone, like what is the one thing in my life? You need to ask yourself this question that drives everything in my life. What is it? And when you get a glimpse of the one true God, he'll talk to you about your family. He'll talk to you about your finances. He'll talk to you about like what you wanna do in this one life movement. He'll talk to you about all those things. Why? Hey, hear, O Trinity, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's above it all, below it all. It's through him, for him, and to him. So right where you are, bow your head, close your eyes, all over the room and online, I'm gonna ask you to turn off every distraction. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today. And I want you to wrestle with this question. Like, what is the one thing in my life? You know what it is. What is the one thing in my life? So Lord, you see the hearts of your people today. You see how humble we are. We're asking you to speak to us. So my prayer is, Lord, at the end of this journey together, that we would be able to declare the, the one thing, <laughs> well, it's Jesus. Like he's changed our life. And because of all that he's done for us, I have no other option but to respond to him. To go where he tells me to go, to do what he tells me to do, to give what he tells me to give. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you speak to your people today? Oh, we hold nothing back. We invite you to move in our hearts and our lives. With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, there's some of you in the room, just like the first service, and you would say, you know, Jared, um, I gotta be honest with you. Um, like God's not on my list. He's not even on the piece of paper. Like he's just like, no, I've been going my own way. I've been keeping him at a distance for far too long. And, and today you, you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And that's a voice of kindness. He's calling you to repentance. And today you're in the room and you know you need to give your life fully to God. It's a great starting place. And you would say, pastor, that's me. Today, I need to give my life fully to God. Or maybe you would even say, I need to recommit my life fully to God. Well, if that's you, right where you are, just pray this prayer, put it in your own words, but just say, today, God, I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. But today, as simply as I know how, I give my life fully to you. I hold nothing back. And right now I declare that I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the one thing that drives everything. Say, so today I receive all that you've done for me, all that Jesus accomplished on the cross, the grace, the forgiveness, the mercy. Tell him that. Say, so today I live for you.
Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person praying this prayer. Some, this is the first time they've ever prayed a prayer like this. Others, it's a recommitment. But Lord, you know right where they are. And so today we just say, thank you. Thank you for saving people. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, celebrate with me, would you? Those who just said yes to Jesus in the room and online. Hey, if you, if you just prayed that prayer, let me tell you, it's the most important decision you've ever made in your life. And we wanna come alongside you and to partner with you in that decision. So if you prayed that prayer, take a moment and fill out the connection card that's inside the worship guide. If you're online, click the link um, and just check the box. It's, today's a recommitment. Today's the first time commitment. Um, and it's the same hassle-free guarantee. We're never gonna show up um, unannounced at dinner time. Like, you know, we're just gonna send you an email giving you some clear next steps of what to do with your faith in Jesus. And talking about next steps, um, we have a thing here called the growth track. It's a two-step process that will help you know God, find a friend, discover your purpose so you can make a difference. Um, it happens during this service every single week, next Sunday. Come to the first service. As soon as you're over, go to the lobby. Our host team will be there to greet you, answer all the questions that you have. And next Sunday, you can begin to take your next steps here at Trinity. And church, before we send you out, we're gonna continue to worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to do that today? I know you are. You're giving in the boxes in the back of the room, online, however you give. You're amazing, so generous. Thank you for giving your impact, not just here, but around the world through our mission partners. I'm just honored. And we're gonna be hearing a lot about um, our role together in this, what God's gonna be calling us to do. And I'll be sharing more details about just some really exciting details about where we are with all these projects. And the next, um, my, my next week, I'll be able to share some of these things with you. So again, don't miss a week in the One Life Movement. And you know somebody that needs to be in this room with you. Hey, shoot them that text message, give them that call and invite them personally to come with you next Sunday. Hey, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet all over the room. I wanna pray a blessing over you as we leave. If you need prayer for any reason, our prayer team will be down front. We'd love to pray with you and we'd love to pray for you. And if you're a guest today, I'll be down front for just a moment. I would love to shake your hand and to welcome you to Trinity Church today. Let's pray. God, again, I thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you um, for saving people today. And we declare as one church, as one body, that you are the Lord and you are above it all. So I pray that we'll have the most amazing Sunday afternoon we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, I love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.